Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I'm extremely excited today to introduce you to a guest that I've wanted to have on the show for a very long time. He is, in my opinion, one of the top thought leaders in the agency space. He has a podcast called the Smart Agency Masterclass Podcast, which if you're not subscribed to, you definitely want to go and check that out. He's got great content on YouTube. He just published Accelerating Your Agency. Well, I shouldn't say just. It's been out for a little while, but... This is one of my favorite books that I've read on Scaling Agency. It explains eight systems that you need to have in your business in order to grow and scale. He has built and sold an agency himself, worked with huge brands like AT&T, Hitachi, Lotus Cars, and now spends all this time helping other agency owners grow and scale and be successful. Um, so with all of that, Jason, I'm super excited to have you on the show today, man. Thanks for being here. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> and just for transparency, you got the intro. You got the intro. Right. It only yeah, took three times. <laughs> this is the third take on the intro. We had technical problems. We had uh, one of my teammates logging into the Zoom room. So uh, glad we got the intro done. So with all of that, I give everybody a little bit of context on who you are and what you do. But um, I'd love to give you the floor to just clear up, you know, what it is that you do and how you help agency owners today. Yeah, I mean, well, first off, uh, thanks for having me on the show. You know, I'm a, I'm a husband and a father of two amazing boys. And, you know, what I do for a career is I wanted to create a resource I wish I had when I was running my agency because I remember how isolating and alone it was. So what I do now is I, I produce a ton of media and content to show people how they can create the freedom in their agencies to pick and choose and do what they love rather than doing the, the crap we all hate, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of people listening might um, have that problem or have experienced that problem, right? Just having to take work to pay the bills and to pay the overhead and getting stuck with clients that they don't necessarily love working for. So definitely a lot of value in figuring out how to get away from that. Well, the, you know, the, you got to think the biggest or the enemy in agency life is being too busy, right? That like, that's the, that's the villain in all of our stories is being too busy. And, and really, the only way out is creating the right systems in order to kind of alleviate, you know, being too busy because I always had a motto for many, many years. If you're too busy, you're not charging enough. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And I mean, it, it sounds like, you know, based on your experience and I, I want to kind of dig into this a little bit more, but you have figured out that there isn't just one hack. There's not one silver bullet or one system or process in your agency that's going to fix everything. You know, you do a really good job in your book of explaining how these eight systems kind of work together, how having a strong pipeline allows you to be more selective with your clients and set better expectations and how having great delivery systems allows you to kind of deliver results for them in a profitable way and keep them around. And it, I mean, anybody that hasn't picked up the book, um, I'll leave a link in the show notes, go pick it up. It's a really great read, but you know, you spent a lot of time running your own agency. When did you start to kind of put the pieces together in your own mind that this was really a, a system from end to end that needed to work together in order for you to have the lifestyle and success that you wanted? 
many, many, many years. Uh, you know, I mean, what, what I, you know, kind of like all of us, we got started by accident, right? Like we knew how to do something cool. Someone offer us money, 500 bucks. I don't know why everybody starts with $500. Kind of on my show, a lot of times for many years I asked, I was like, what would you get for your first project or engagement? It was always 500 bucks. And uh, so I stopped asking people that because it was ridiculous. And so, but it took me many years. Like my first client, I remember asking me to send him an invoice. I didn't know what an invoice was. This was like in 99. So like Google wasn't even around. So, you know, I think fast forward, maybe eight years, then I started putting some of the pieces together, right? In order to have rapid growth and, and scalability where, you know, because I always felt like in the first couple of years, as I was hiring more, hiring more people, the, the job was getting more complex. And then you look at it and going, well, I'm already like, I don't have any more hours in the day. I can't create 26 hours and I'm managing 10 people and literally there's no more time. So if I get 20, that means I need 50 hours in a day. How can I do it? But, you know, I realized there just, I didn't have the right kind of framework to follow um, or the, the right systems in place. And when I started kind of trying to dissect it a little bit, then I was like, okay, here's, here's what I need to go do in order to do that. Like the solution is not get more clients. Like, yes, you need to build your pipeline and that kind of stuff. That's why, you know, like on our show, like yours, we talk around operations and, and that kind of stuff where, you know, like it's not just get more leads because you can get overwhelmed. I know so many people that get tons of business, but they can't deliver on the work or they can't have the infrastructure to support that. And then they crumble and they go out of business and, and then they put courses together. <laughs> <laughs> this is, and then they go to sell courses. I love that. Uh, this is something that I've seen. And I, I, I know sometimes when I explain this to other agency owners, I am sometimes met with a look of bewilderment. because They're like, how is that possible? Because there's this narrative, right? That like sales solves all problems, but the truth is profit solves all problems. Um, and a lot of times when you don't have your delivery system set up and you're in a cash flow crunch, the gut reaction is to go get more revenue. And oftentimes what that's going to end up doing is actually pushing your business to the limits because the cash flow problems are a result of not having great delivery and not having uh, great cash flow and operation systems. And those are the two things out of your book, System 6 and System 7, that I'd love to dig into a little bit more today. Um, because to your point, there's lots of places that people can go and learn a lot about marketing and sales and proposals. Your YouTube channel is one of those places. Your podcast is one of those places. The rest of the book is one of those places. And just about every other podcast and blog uh, on, on agencies has a ton of great content on that. But what doesn't get talked about enough is that unsexy stuff that is so, so, so important. So to frame this, um, you tell a great story in the book. What was the moment in your career when you realized how important delivery and cash flow was? What was that kind of scare that you had that shocked you into saying, I need to look into this and solve this? Well, you know, I used to judge our success based on how many employees we had and our top line revenue. And I think everybody would kind of like, oh, I got a hundred people, right? Or I got 20 people. Uh, or like, they'll be like, I'm the world's best at X. And they were looking at revenue, like everybody ranks themselves based on revenue or employee count. And that was a huge mistake. And so when I started looking at, you know, we were acquiring more and more people in the, in the organization. And I was like, then I started looking at profit and we started measuring like what we were paying people and the amount of hours they were working on certain things and the, what we were delivering to the client. And I started realizing that I was only making money on 40% 
of the project. And 60% were actually losing money. And I was like, holy cow. I, it was just like an eye-opening experience. And I was like, well, okay, so how can we increase the profit? And so I started realizing going, all right, what systems or how can we identify kind of that scope creep, right? Which everybody in the agency world knows, but we don't do things to solve it. And so, you know, we sell something and then the client asks for something and we do it even if it's way outside the scope. And we're like, oh, they're just taking advantage of us. Well, you know, you're, you're not, you're not having a system for letting them know, hey, it's outside of scope and it's going to be X and let me charge so you can increase your profitability. And then you don't worry and all those other issues. So some of the ways to do that, one easy way that we would um, avoid scope creep is doing a $0 change order. So a client would come to us, let's say we sold a, a website. Um, and uh, let's say we sold 20 pages. And this actually happened. We thought they had 20 pages, but then when we started uncovering this higher education um, client, I will be nameless. They had like thousands of pages in the back end. Oh. And we're like, holy moly, like, like this is going to take a long time. Well, we wound up because like we did bad scope, like the project manager did not say, we only agreed on 20 pages, you have 1500 of them. And so what we should have done is said, hey, we, we have this scope, we can't do this, but we could have set them up a lot of times. So I'm not saying do a $0 change order for thousands of pages, but they came to us when I started looking at the account, they kept coming to us for things a little bit outside, like something that would take an hour. So what we should have done at that time is said, hey, we're more than happy to do this. This is out of scope. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a change order. It's going to be zeroed out, but I just need you to sign it, send it back to us. So what you're doing is you're training them versus them training you. Right. And by doing that, they're going to see a zero invoice, but they're also going to see how much you're actually giving to them. So over time, you could go through four or five of these, like real little ones. So then when they have the big one, you could say, hey, I've already given you five. You already know this. It's the same thing when I was building our, you know, our house in Colorado. Mm -hmm. I kept asking the builder, I'm like, can you build a tunnel through the mountain? <laughs> and like, he was like, anything's possible, but it's going to cost more than you paid me. I'm like, oh, okay, no, never mind. Don't build. I'll, I'll, I'll have my kids build a tunnel. <laughs> I love that strategy because you're anchoring the original scope of the project over and over again, and you're letting them know that, so, you know, that's a great strategy. And, and you're absolutely right. Scope creep is a really big reason that I think a lot of people lose money on projects. And you mentioned something in the book and you alluded to it a little bit here, which I absolutely love. I always like to say you should always track your time. You should never bill for it. And I think um, time tracking is still something that a lot of people in the industry, especially that have been around for a while, have a weird relationship with. They still see it as something primarily used for billing to clients. I'm of the belief that it's the most valuable thing you can do internally for measuring and managing, you know, your delivery efficiency and getting a feedback loop for your scoping and all of these kinds of things. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Could you elaborate a little bit um, on why it's important for agencies to be tracking their time, especially against the scopes that they've created? Well, I mean, you're in a time business, right? Like everything we do takes time and we need to track and see how much is our time actually worth. Now, I'm not saying go to the client and say, we build you 100 hours and we're at this hourly rate. That's not what I'm saying. Mm 
you have to do that to set a baseline, to set kind of a floor that you're not going to go under. So, and, I, and I've always, a lot of times we would undercharge. So uh, in the very beginning, because I would go to our developer or our designer and like developers are the worst. They're great <laughs> people, but they're the worst because they think they're Superman in order to developing something. They'll be like, oh yeah, that'll take a hundred hours. Whenever they say it would take 100 hours, come on, it's like taking 400 hours. <laughs> and so I would always raise it by like five, sometimes 10x to set the floor because they're not thinking of all the things that they have to go through. And they have no repercussions if they're wrong. Like I have to eat it and I'm the idiot, right? Because I agreed to them. So mm. what you'll do is, is as you're tracking time and you have kind of similar engagements over and over again, then you can really kind of get a baseline of what it's going to take. And then what you can do is you can figure out how can I streamline this? And you can incentivize and, and, and hire the right people on your team in order to go, how can I get more efficient? Mm. Because if you're just kind of billing, you know, hourly, you're going to lose profit over time. Now, I know why a lot of people charge hourly is because they charged by the project. They did a crappy job at scoping and they lost money. So then they were like, well, let me go charge hourly. Then they started charging hourly. But what they didn't realize is year over year, you get more efficient, you get faster, you get faster, you lose more profit. <laughs> like you're not losing money, but you're losing profit because it's kind of like that uh, old uh, saying, like, your refrigerator is broken, the refrigerator repairman comes in, he charges you $1,000 to basically for five minutes worth of work. And you're like, what the hell, you're ripping me off. He goes, well, let me break down the invoice for you. It's $100 to turn this screw. It's $900 to know which screw it, I needed to turn because yeah. I spent 20 years fixing refrigerators. It's the same thing with all of you. So you need to kind of set a baseline. And then you have to set the right expectations or figure out the expectations of that client engagement. So I would always have to be like, is their expectation significantly higher than what is literally going to the floor that it's going to take in order to do that engagement. And if it is significantly higher, I'm like, okay, I'm willing to take that risk in order to take that engagement on. And then I'm going to put certain constraints on it and, and manage my team around that. But also you have to have the right team. You have to set the right expectations. You can't, you know, you know, undercharge, you can't, over, you know, overbill. Like it's all these little working parts together but it all starts with knowing how long it actually takes. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. I absolutely love this. And it, it echoes so much of what I spend a lot of my time talking about, often banging my head against the wall having this conversation over and over again, um, you know, and because I think you probably see this a lot too. You talk about time tracking and people immediately say, oh no, we bill on value. We don't need to track time or, you know, oh, we do fixed rate pricing. We, we don't need to track time. It's like, 
I get that you don't need to track it for the client, but yeah, if you could do five uh, $10 million projects a year instead of doing four, wouldn't you want to know that and actually be able to do that? The difference to your point is making sure that you're not spending too much time on things or misscoping things and getting better at earning that revenue. Um, you talk through a couple of other really important things in the book around mitigating scope creep. One of them, which I love, is the strategy of the zero dollar uh, change order. You also talked about you know documenting and systems and mentioned a couple of really important things there. What are some of the keys um, to making sure that you have you know kind of the eighty twenty of your delivery system figured out in terms of having processes and documentation in place for your team to follow? Yeah, I mean, let, let, let's say we're. I'm just going to keep focusing on websites, right? So, so many people don't document the approval process or even figure that out. They're just like, all right, I got the signed engagement on the proposal and we're going to go design this whole website and then we'll get them to sign off saying, yeah, we can launch it. But there's so many different milestones between that, that you have to agree on. And if you physically get them to sign off on all of these things, or for example, not do a single thing of design until you get all of the resources and assets you need from them, then you're going to like, you have more data. Like you, you know, exactly it's, there's not like this, Oh, I forgot to give you this. And it was like the Trump card and you're like, Oh my God, it changes everything of all the work. And then we have to kind of reset. And so you have to think about what are all the major milestones that could throw a wrench in it. Now, Overnight, we didn't figure this out. It took us many years and many, you know, millions of dollars actually of losing, you know, by doing saying, all right, once we do the first concept, we're going to label each element that's going to be variable and change. And then as soon as they approve that, then we're going to move on to the next and do the same thing. Then once we actually build the test site, we're going to give them two rounds of changes for content or right. Like it's just like getting really granular, but here's the deal is you'll actually win a lot more deals if you have a really good plan. You know, like I used to teach people how to race cars. And so one of the things I always love doing is going, Hey, you're going to go in this 90 degree corner at hundred miles per hour. And they'd look at me going, you're freaking insane. I'm like, well, here's the plan because people will trust you more if you have a plan and you win way more deals. Yeah. If you let them know, here's the exact plan on how we're going to transform your business and get what you want you're going to win and then it's going to protect you the whole way because scope creep actually starts from the first conversation, not when they sign up with you, but the first sales conversation of training them, educating them on the exact process of how they're going to get what they need. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And one thing that you mentioned in the book that I also think is worth noting is the value of mapping it out visually um, and having it, you know, represented in that way so that you could like show it to a client to your point or show it to your team and, you know, easily visualize all the places where maybe you've missed something or there's gaps in your process that can be improved. Um, so absolutely love that insight around the delivery system. So my last question around delivery is, do you have any specific benchmarks that you like to hit or different metrics that you like to use with your clients for measuring the efficiency of their delivery system? Well, it's more about just profit, you know, profitability for each engagement that they have. And it depends on which kind of engagement they're in. You know, some engagements are designed in order to win the deal and just break even. And then you're trying to get them to, you know, the bigger ones in order to have extreme profit. So it's just, 
you have to figure out what those benchmarks are for your organization. You know, I always, with the clients I work with one-on-one or the people in my mastermind, I'm like, look, at least go for 35% margins on that, or sometimes even more, because then you have all the operations on top. Because I looked at, you know, um, the average service-based company in the U.S. by like the service bureau is around 32% in net margins, right? And so most agencies are at like 20%. So, and they think that's fantastic. I'm like, well, you're profitable. Good job. Congrats. (laughs) But you're you're below average. And, you know, yes, I know service-based business, but, you know, no one's really kind of done a study on the average, um, you know, for agencies. And so I was like, well, why don't you shoot a lot higher? Like, I'd rather be way more profitable and, you know, than look bigger. Like, (laughs) this is me. Like, I'd rather make more money than uh, portray I'll make a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's funny. Those numbers actually seem a lot higher than what I've seen um, for agencies. Like, I've seen it be closer to like 12%, but that's after you adjust... um, founder compensation to market, which I think is often skewing that result. Like an agency that looks like they're 20%, a lot of the times the founder's not paying themselves what they should be. And so if you adjust yeah, that's horrible. That, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so when I'm talking about those numbers, I'm talking about your salary. So if you're a $2 million agency, you should be getting paid 150 to 200 for your salary. Now this is also before distribution. Right. So distributions don't count for that, right? So I, I take those out. But you should be paying yourself a good salary because if you have visions of selling your agency one day, they're going to look at that. They're going to be like, oh yeah, your, your margins, your EBITDA is X, but you're paying yourself $2. Like, (laughs) so they're they're going to recast it anyway. You're not tricking anybody or, or putting media spend in the numbers. I'm like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Awesome. So there you have it guys. Some, some really key takeaways around, delivery, why that's important, you know, make sure you've got your systems documented, you've got it mapped out, make sure you're tracking how much time you put into that and make sure you're managing expectations with your clients. Um, And for more on all that, of course, check out the book, which I'll have linked up in the show notes. Now, I want to move on to another important subject, which is around cash flow. And you talk a lot about this in the book, specifically around how to invoice your customers and how to get them to pay you. And I've seen a lot of agencies struggle with this, I'm sure you have as well. What are some of the, the key things that agencies should be thinking about when it comes to managing their cash flow, making sure they're getting receivables in the door so that they don't run into that situation? I'm sure we've all been in where we're like, I might have to put payroll on my credit card. <laughs> yeah, well, f- first off, everybody should get a line of credit as a backup for temporary solutions because when you don't need money, everybody's going to give it to you. But when you need money, you shouldn't. So <laughs> that should be one activity you go do right now. It doesn't cost you anything. You know, the funny thing was, is we always kept having our line of credit canceled because we never used it. Mm. So the trick there is, is just pull a little out for a day, put it back in. The banks are happy. They see activity and you barely pay like a dollar a month or some stupid stuff. Um, but for increasing your cash flow, it's, you got to think about, you got to change your payment terms for the most part. So if you're on reoccurring billing for your clients, make sure you get paid in the front. And if they don't pay or something happens, you don't do the work. Just make it that easy for them. Um, other things you can do if they do say checks in the mail, right? Like I always love that. I'm doing air quotes. Um, I always hated that. 
I would always say in our contracts, if we don't have payment within 15 days, we have the right to charge the card on file or pull directly out of your bank account through this ACH form. So we can, and then I would tell our clients we do this so we can keep your project going and your engagement going so we don't have to stop and start and all that stuff. The other thing we would do is we would change our billing um, terms. Let's say we had a $100,000 project. We would say, all right, well, you're going to pay us 50% up front, which everybody does. But most people do 50% in the rear when they finish the project. Mm. But what always happens is we're always waiting for these clients in order to give us the work that we need, right? So then a six-month project turns into three years. And now, like, finishing the other half of the, you know, the 50000 worth of work, we could have made 200000 because we're always raising our prices. So what we started doing was, 50% up front, and then halfway through the project or at a certain date, whichever comes first, we would charge a quarter, okay? Yeah. And we do the same thing at the end. So what this happens is most of the time we're paid 100% of our engagements before we're even 25% done because we're always waiting on the clients. And you can't just bury this in the contract. You have to tell the client, say, look, like we agree on a timeline and they're always going to say like what? They're going to be like, we're going to be your best client ever. And I'm like, violin, like, right. <laughs> Never heard that before. Great. I'm glad you're going to be your best client. So what we're going to do is our billing terms are 50% upfront to get going halfway through the project or at a certain date, whichever comes first. And you're going to be fine on that. You said you're going to be our best client, get us stuff on time. Good. Okay, good. Right. And then you move on. So then when it does come, you send them an invoice. So they freak out. You're like, I told you about it. It's not like we buried it. And if they argue with you, charge a card anyway, because you have it in the agreement. I mean, it's a contract, guys. You, this is only as good if you're going to enforce it. So might as well, if you're not going to enforce it and you're going to be kind of like a, you know, a, oh, I don't want to hurt your feelings. You're in the wrong freaking business and get the heck out because you're going to, you're going to hurt yourself. You got to kind of stay firm and do it because they're testing you. Remember, they're training you or you're training them. And then you go do your work. Um, and so the funny story about this was uh, I had a client. We started engaging with them, I think, in 04, 05. We sold the business in 2012. They literally reached out to me in 2014 and were like, I'm finally ready. And I'm like, dude, I sold the company. They sold the company and probably sold again. So like, have fun with figuring out who. <laughs> like, literally, we waited that long. <laughs> wow, crazy. I mean, and, but this is something I see a lot of people running into. I see uh, receivables aging averages of, you know, 90, 120, 160 days actually yesterday uh, with somebody that I was talking to. And I'm just like, you, yeah, that's, that's horrible. That's really bad. I like to set a benchmark of 45 days or less for receivables aging. Um, and I think, you know, to your point, a lot of people are just too kind. They beat around the bush. Sometimes they're so concerned about the client relationship that they're afraid to push, you know, and, and I think, in my opinion, a lot of that leverage comes back to having the rest of the eight systems that you talk about in the book in place so that you have the confidence to be hard on a client because you're not actually that afraid that they're going to leave because you know that you can generate more opportunities predictably. So a lot of these things, you know, like you really do a great job explaining the book to really work together. But um, I love the process that you've outlined here in terms of setting up those receivables and payment terms. And there's all that is detailed very, very well in the book as well. Yeah, so and it also, it also depends on who you're going after. If you work with the biggest companies in the world, 
everybody's going after them and you have to agree to their business terms, right? So the ATTs of the world, the Hitachis, we're going after their master service level agreements. And then just because they're paying a premium, you're going to have longer sales cycles. And so not everybody's going to agree to your payment terms. So the smaller billion dollar companies you've never heard of, they'll do it. But the biggest companies in the world, you're probably not going to be able to do that. So I just wanted to kind of put that asterisk out there. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing to consider. And I, I think that comes back to, you know, client dilution as well. Like you want to make sure that, or sorry, client concentration, you want to make sure that that AT&T client is not making up 30% of your annual revenue. <laughs> That's just not a good situation to be in because you're right. They probably won't have great, you know, receivables aging. They'll probably pay you late. You know, they might, you know, they might, put you through the ringer a little bit through procurement and legal and all these other revisions that they're going to have to take you through because of their process. Um, and so if you're not sweating for that check to come in, that's probably a good place to be in. So line of credit, also a good takeaway there, guys, if you're listening, go get your line of credit, especially if you're in a good place right now, the banks will be a lot friendlier. So I know Jason, you've got to hop off. You've got another call to get to. So before we let you go, I'd love for you to share how our audience can get in touch with you, follow you and follow all the great content that you're producing all the time. Yeah. So the the best place to go, if you guys were really wanting to grow to the next level is go to jasonswank.com and swank is spelled S W E N K. So jasonswank.com and check out the blog, check out, you know, the, the videos. I mean, we put out, we have over a thousand pieces of content for you. Our podcast has been around for five years now. Um, So make sure you go check it out. You'll have tons of content. And uh, and then if you've liked all that and you think I could help, reach out. I'm I'm happy to help. I want to be that resource I wish I had. So thanks for having me on. Awesome, guys. So all of that in the show notes, just scroll down and it'll be right there for you. Jason, thanks so much for being on the show today, man. This was awesome. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeta.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.